Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson. Karlsson, 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 The longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who did not make it too far in the Keeping Carlson playoff pool, but we're going to pretend like we did by basking in the glory of four semifinalists. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me, as always, are quite a few people, but to start, it's your friend and mine, the Poobah of Prognostication, the IPP MVP, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. First off, I just want to say I'm so glad that... I'm welcome back on the show and that you just haven't run away with it from me and made it exclusively a beat writer interview podcast because you are crushing it so far. And so did Sheng Peng about San Jose and so did Prashant about the Detroit Red Wings. You have been doing some amazing, amazing work. Lots of good fantasy notes in all of those interviews that everybody like you should be writing them down taking like have a notepad for our 32 beats interview series we've got uh, hopefully 30 more interviews to come uh so elon thank you for doing that it's been amazing and thank you for having me back and like keeping my seat warm and uh, i'm really excited to be joined by four very very smart fantasy hockey playoff managers as well as uh, four very brave Fantasy Hockey Playoff Managers for coming on and joining our show so they can draft their teams live for our Keeping Carlson Playoff Pool semifinals. Yeah, Brian, you, you cut away from your compliment to me to something else. You didn't let me be my humble, like, ah, it's easy to do a great show when you've got people like Sheng Peng and Prashant Iyer on. But yeah, hope people have been enjoying that. Thanks to, uh, again, Sheng and Prashant. And if you haven't listened, go back and check out our last couple episodes. They were fun. But okay, yeah, we've got a big plan today because we've been running the Keeping Carlson Playoff Pool, this uh, brainchild originally of Ben Burnett from Short Shifts, where it was like, what if you do a playoff pool, but you redraft after every round? And we started with like 152 people. I think it was 13 divisions of 12 teams each. No, 12 divisions of 13 teams each. So you could do the math there. I think that's 156. And then like the top five of each division made it to round two. Then you had to win. There was eight divisions of eight for round two. And you had to win that to make it to round three. And so we've only got eight managers left that are split into two divisions of their own. One of them's already drafted and the other one is going to draft right now. So four of the eight semifinalists are here with us today where we're going to draft for round three. Uh, and this is going to be big stakes because the winner of this whole thing after round three, by the way, in the finals, there's only going to be two winners. They're going to go heads up. Up for the championship maybe we'll do another show for that draft but yeah the winner of the whole shebang is gonna win a jersey from coolhockey.com so that is uh pretty big stakes i think because you get uh, anything you want on that jersey but okay brian before we get to all that and to introduce our competitors i'll just mention that we're presented by dauberhockey.com the number one fantasy hockey website in the world they're giving you fantasy nuggets all throughout the playoffs and then all throughout the offseason it's such a great site really smart writers on there plus the tools of frozen tools invaluable to making a fantasy hockey podcast and also to uh playing fantasy hockey so check that out dauberhockey.com but okay let's get started so we've got four managers here like we said and this is not a snake draft uh you get 
special treatment if you ranked high. So these four managers are ranked based on how many points they had in the last round. And the highest scoring manager in all of the KKPP, keeping Carlson playoff full in round two, was Tyler Hickey, 47 points. So Tyler, welcome to the show. You're going to have the first overall pick here in this round. Uh, Before we get to your pick, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, where are you from, and how did you get here to round three of the KKPP? Oh, uh, thanks for having me. I'm just you know, glad to be here after my uh, disappointment in uh, uh, keeping Carlson uh, regular season pool. Yeah. Uh, bombed out on that one, so I'm going to get to here. Um, just uh, from Western New York, um, you know, big Sabres fan. Obviously, a lot of news about them, but I've uh, been riding the Tampa Bay and a lot of Vegas guys the past couple of rounds, and it really helped me uh, get here, so... Sweet. Yeah. So you obviously won round two. How did you rank in round one to get here? Uh, I was first place in my division. So you've just been running the table so far. You've been annoyed. And you're saying it was uh, which two teams? Tampa Bay and Vegas? Yes. A lot of Tampa Bay and Vegas. And then I had McKinnon in the first round too, which definitely helped. All right. So then I guess that means that I'm. we could probably guess where you're going to go for this first pick. I'd imagine you're going to be going to Tampa Bay or Vegas once again. So let me start the draft here on Fantrax now, and then you can go ahead and uh, make your first pick. Who's it going to be? All right. Well, uh, the first pick, <clears throat> excuse me, going to pick uh, the manipulator of the cap, Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, how can you not pick the guy who has caused every team fits that he's played against this year. And that is just two teams because as you mentioned, Kucherov only joined Tampa to play in the playoffs this year, which we talked about a couple show or a couple weeks ago. And I said, I I was nonplussed. It didn't bother me a whole lot. And there was actually a really great take um, from Joe Smith over at the athletic uh, like sort of saying similar to me, like they're playing within the rules. I'm not going to get too, too into it. Uh, but I guess the reason everybody is as mad as they are is because Kucherov has just been on fire in these playoffs, 18 points in 11 games, which is three more than Nathan McKinnon had in 10 games. Uh, and uh, also three more than David Pasternak had in 11 games too. So Kudrov is running away right now with a playoff scoring title, hypothetically, if that existed. And I don't see uh, really much, uh, a much safer pick out there than Kudrov right now. Do you? I mean, the only reason why it wouldn't be a safe pick is if you think the Lightning are going to have their hands full with the New York Islanders. And if last year was any indication, they were able to take care of them then. You swap out Anders Lee, you bring in Kyle Palmieri, and it's pretty much similar team, similar matchup, except it's a better matchup for Tampa because they've got Stamkos and Kucherov, which wasn't the case last year. So yeah, by the way, Kucherov, of his 18 points, 13 of them on the power play. 13 power play points in 11 games. Did you know that Tampa Bay like uh, scored like 50% of their power plays against Carolina? It was crazy. That was a big part of the reason why they won that series. So yeah, great pick and an obvious pick. So in the other draft, which has already happened for the second division of round three, Kucherov also went first overall. So we'll see uh, where's the first deviation. So, okay. uh, Next up is Ryan. Hello. hello. Uh, Ryan Wood. (laughs) Yes, I'm Ryan. Uh, So I'm from uh, Richmond, British Columbia. So I'm a Canucks fan, uh, but I'm living down in Seattle right now. So Kraken coming, I have, my loyalty will be tested soon, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, first round, uh, I came in first place, largely thanks to Jonathan Huberdeau. 
who I drafted like exactly at ADP. So I'm not really sure how much credit I get for writing that, but I'll take it. And then last round, I survived Hedman not doing awesome. So I'm not going to go defense too early this round. Um, but I think I'm going to stick with Tampa. Uh, so I'm going to go with Braden Point. Oh, for my first. Pick. I, I'll admit I'm a bit shocked. I thought you were going to say Stamkos, who's got 13 points in 11 games. Braden Point, a paltry 12 points in 11 yes. games. So yeah. Probably I had not. Stamkos last round too. So I had him. I'm just mixing it up a little. Hey, why not? Point was <laughs> awesome, obviously, in the in the playoffs last year. I, by the way, I should probably mention the rules of this pool, which Brian reminded me to do before the show that I completely forgot. So it's uh, points only. Uh, every team is going to pick 10 players of the skaters. You have to have uh, uh, seven forwards and two defense, or you have the option to go six forwards and three defense. So I'm sure everyone's going to do seven forwards and two defense. Then every team of the four of you, uh, there's like also four goalie team goalie spots where basically everyone's going to pick a team and you get one point for a win and then an extra point for a shutout. And that will round out uh, the draft. Yeah, for the players, it's points only. So that's why we're mentioning the 13 versus 12 points for Braden Point over Stammer, which, by the way, I guess I probably shouldn't be name dropping. So maybe now people are like, no, why'd you say Stamkos? That's who I was thinking of. Now everyone knows. But uh, yeah, good pick with Braden Point. Let's see if we're going to keep the Tampa Bay run rolling with our next pick, Colton Steele. Yeah, before oh, I... oh please, yeah. Brian. Sorry, Come on, Elon. Sheesh, got, got distracted. Got Just too got excited. Carried away because you didn't you didn't introduce the rules as you assured me you would. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean I don't have a ton to add about Braden Point. He had that super pretty goal against Carolina in a crucial game where he seemed to make time slow down with <laughs> with how he ended up DKing uh, Nadelkovich, which was really impressive. And Elon, you just mentioned like, oh, Tampa, like I thought you'd go somewhere else. And uh, just looking at the leading scorers from the playoffs so far, four of the top five remaining scorers are from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I guess I'm not going to not going to blow up anyone's spot by mentioning who the fifth is, although I'm sure you should all have your draft list out. Um, but when we get to that, that fifth player, Elon, I, w- I just want, I want you to write down on paper who you think that player is. And, uh, and then we'll see if you got it right. Uh, I mean, I have the name in front of me. Oh, but, uh, okay. It, it, so let yeah. No, go ahead. Let's, why don't you go ahead and introduce okay. our next participant? Yeah. So <laughs> let's see if Colton Steele is, uh, is picking third. So let's see if Colton, are you going to keep it, in Tampa, or are you going to go elsewhere? But before you tell us that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited to be on this. Um, I am from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, home of Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, and also just down the way, Brad Marchand. Um, sadly, I can't pick any of those people um, because they all lost at this point. So that kind of deviates from my usual strategy. That's how I got to this point. I had Marchand as my first round pick last round. And I've also relied on Islanders to get me to this point because I had faith in my main man, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. As a big Sens fan, I've had him in the first round and he was my last pick and got me a ton of points. So I have him to thank to getting to this point. Um, But as far as my pick for this round, I am going to deviate from the Tampa strategy and go with another former Ottawa Senator, uh, Mark Stone from the Vegas Golden Knights. I have a feeling he's ready for a big series and his leadership is going to take them to the promised land. So uh, let's see what happens here with my Mark Stone pick at third overall. 
Okay, so Mark Stone off the board, which is uh, fantastic. Like, he could be the best player in the playoffs, although it doesn't always show up on the scoreboard. So you're hoping uh, he's got eight points in 13 games so far. It's not the prettiest stat line. And in fact, he ranks, uh, I think, third on the Vegas Golden Knights in points scored. But in terms of someone who plays the game the right way, he's first. Uh, Mark Stone has been an amazing two-way contributor, and you know whenever he does have the puck offensively, he's a threat, but he's very often busy doing such great defensive things as well. Uh, Super smart, always in position. Everyone knows this about Mark Stone. I just like to take the time when, you know, we all talk about fantasy value, but whenever we talk about Mark Stone, I always try and emphasize just how great a player all around that he is. It's stuff that doesn't show up on the score sheet. So I like him as like a moral choice early in a pool. We'll see if it works out for you to pick the third highest scoring Vegas Golden Knight to date, third overall in this final round. Elon, is this uh, is this where you would have gone? Well, I think it's a good pick. Like, honestly, like it's a very small sample size just in this playoffs that he has eight points in 13 games. If you look at last year, he had 17 points in 20 games in the playoffs. And the year before, he had 12 points in seven games on his miracle. Wait, why did Mark? Oh, wait, I guess that year wasn't the first year for Vegas, right? He wasn't there for Vegas's miracle run in their inaugural season. But yeah, Stone, by the way, everyone's been talking about how amazing he was in terms of like shutting down Nathan McKinnon in the last round. Like, it was really fun to see how the line matchups when Colorado was in control of the line matchups, they just tried to keep McKinnon away from Stone as much as they could. Then as soon as Vegas was able to control the line matchups, he was Stone was on the ice whenever McKinnon was. They tried their best and it was very effective. So Stone, not only like such a great defensive player, also getting up on the score sheet. And we'll see if he could get more points against the Montreal Canadiens. I wonder how long it's going to take for a Montreal Canadiens player to get on the board. All right. So that's Mark Stone. Let's go to fourth pick. Jordan is the winner. But uh, Jordan, you got, I don't want to say lucky, but you had 37 points in the last round. And that was enough to win your division compared to Tyler who had 47 points. You would have been like far away and not in here if you were in Tyler's division. But hey, luck plays a part and you're here and you have just as good a chance as anyone now to make it to the finals. So welcome to the show, Jordan Lambie. Thanks. Actually, he's silent, but I get uh, Kyle Lambie on. Oh, I apologize, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Uh, fourth place, not a bad place to be, you know, <laughs> considering. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's but, much oh. better than the place Elon and I are in. Oh, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And he was exactly. pointing to the, the Habs uh, <laughs> behind the Habs logo. Uh, so, yeah, obviously a Habs fan here. By the way, Jordan Lamb, if your name's Lamb, do you know about the This Lamb Sells Condos guy in Toronto? Are you related to him? I don't know. <laughs> there were billboards. And then it was like a guy's face on a lamb's body. It was a big deal. I That is something I should probably do with Photoshop, though. I think you really should. Cool. <laughs> if you win this whole thing, we'll get a picture of a lamb holding the trophy and then your face. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So first round, I actually got fourth. So still barely made it in. Um, Stone Lefang were killer for me. Second round. Pasta, Marcheseau, Beauvillier, unreal. Uh, New York Islanders both rounds, which was huge. And then at one point last round, I was third all along. And then on the 7th of June, I had 10 points, which was the biggest night I've seen anyone have in that round yet. Nice. So that bumped me up into first. So that's how I got here. Congratulations. Here you are. So are, were you totally sniped on these first three picks? Or are you happy with who you're going to get here at fourth overall? I can't complain about getting Stamkos at fourth. Yeah. <laughs> can't at all. I really want to take a Habs player, but I just can't justify it. It's more about winning now. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I can't predict what Tyler, Ryan, and Colton are going to do. I have a feeling you might have your pick of Habs players when you when it comes back around to you in the next few picks. Yeah, you can't complain with Stamkos. I guess we already talked about him compared to Braden Point having a uh, great playoffs. Last year, uh, he only played one shift, or what was it, like two shifts, and he scored a goal. This playoffs, he's played the whole time, 13 points. There was even like a little bit of an injury concern at the start, but like no big deal, and that's why Tampa's rolling so well. Uh, so yeah, we'll see if uh, any any fear... Brian of the Islanders finally being able to stifle this intense uh, Tampa Bay offense. Like, you know, who, who did Tampa play in the first round again? Uh, I guess that's how memorable the matchup was. Oh, it was Florida. It was oh, a memorable yeah, yeah. matchup. So, so that was a good one. But yeah. And but- Florida is a very strong defensive team. They're up there. And, and, <laughs> and so is Carolina. That's the Fantrax horn uh, for anybody who hasn't drafted. Oh, yeah, Jordan. Fantrax. You got to actually put in the Stamkos pick. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, Tampa has played three very solid defensive teams so far in Florida, or they're about to play their third, Florida, Carolina, and now the Islanders. And so honestly, I'm not so concerned that they'll be shut down. But of course, that's exactly what the Islanders are going to aim to do. And just by the way, for all um, the guff that the Islanders like do deservedly get, um, for being a lockdown defensive team who really, you know, pick and choose the chances they take on the ice to create scoring. Uh, they lead all teams in goal scoring through the playoffs. Now, of course, they've played, uh, you know, amongst the seven teams have played between 10 and 13 games. And the Islanders lead them all with 43 goals in the playoffs. So we all talk about just how how shut down the Islanders play, but they have been very, very efficient at turning uh, whatever opportunities they get into goals. Uh And in the meantime, um, you know, uh, of the remaining teams, they also have uh, the most goals against two, 33. So it's, it's actually really interesting that this team, I mean, we know how they play, but it's just, uh, if you were just looking at the numbers, you'd be like, Oh, this is a team that, you know, is a high risk, high reward team and takes risks to make offense and gives up a lot of goals as a result. But that's not, that's not at all who they are, but that's what the numbers look like. If we were looking at just those without the game. So all this to say, Steven Stamkos, I, I think Tampa is going to be able to have as much success against the Islanders as they did against Florida and Carolina. I guess the only question is how much harder can the Islanders push back? Yeah. Uh, the one thing we know about how the Islanders play is they are a team of gentlemanly players. They're the New York Saints, right? They never take any penalties, but uh, at least according to Bruce Cassidy. Uh, so, okay. Back to Tyler to start round two. Who do you got? Uh, so I'm going to take uh, some of uh, Brian's advice and go with uh, Brock uh, Nelson, Islanders. Okay. And so are you saying that's my advice because I just mentioned how high scoring the Islanders were? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Brock Nelson. Can I do with the numbers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so Brock Nelson going uh, ahead of a higher scoring teammate or two or three. Actually, there are three Islanders who score who have more points than Brock Nelson so far. So we'll see when they go. But as far as you know, I call them steady as a Brock. You can really count on Brock Nelson to rarely go invisible and to usually be in on you know a goal regularly enough to make you feel like he's worth having on your fantasy team so uh, i mean honestly i would actually be we're talking about how how capable the islanders are of shutting down teams but tampa has andre vasilevsky who 
I have seen being referenced through his playoff play and his play this season, but the playoff play has sort of been the punctuation mark on all that he showed this season. And people are now calling him the best goalie in the world right now. And I even saw Dominic Hasek comparison recently. And these playoffs have been unreal for him so far. A 934 save percentage, eight and three record. Of course, the run support helps, but he has been holding up his end of the bargain. So for as much as we're worried about Tampa players facing the Islanders, Elon, how worried are you about Islanders players facing Tampa and being able to put up goals? Yeah, I'd be a bit worried. Tampa Bay is just a juggernaut team. They're amazing. Uh, but I can't let this slide. Uh, obviously, I'm ready to be proven wrong. Tyler's obviously done a lot better than me in this playoff. Well, Brock Nelson as like second round, first pick, first player off on the Islanders. The fun thing is, Brian, you were saying how there's a couple of Islanders players who have more points than Nelson so far. I still think actually there's another Islanders player who I would want that has fewer points than Nelson, but has gotten hot lately. And I guess I shouldn't. I mean, it's the obvious guy you would think of from the Islanders. I guess when he I gets think, mentioned. I think but... we can do table talk. I think okay. it's fine. We're with four pros who have made it this far. I'm going to go back in time and mention JG Pajot is the one non-Tampa player in the top five scorers so far this playoffs. And Elon, the player you would rather have, who hasn't scored as many points as Brock Nelson, but you'd still prefer him, is? Is Matt Barzal, of course. And by the way, Barzal started slow, I guess, in the first round. But in this in this past round against Boston, like he has six points in his last five games. So Barzal's heated up lately. Anyways, can't go wrong with Nelson. He's like a solid guy, like you said. Brian Steady has a Brock. Uh, we'll see how this pick works out. Hey, Tyler's here because he knows when to take calculated risks. And you and I are uh, just hosting the show. So, okay, next. Uh, I also I also wish I said Brock Steady, which is actually where I do go, or solid like a Brock. I mixed up. Anyway, okay. take, your, take your pick. Take, All right, well, take one of those and pretend I said it first. Well, I'm not going to be able to take a pick because I'm eliminated, but Ryan Wood is here ready to take his pick. So who do you got? <laughs> yep, I'm going over to Vegas, and I'm going to take Max Pacioretty. Yep. Uh, my pick. I mean, so Vegas against Montreal, which is like, by the way, Brian, we uh, on the last episode that we did, I think Toronto was up three games or no, it was going into game seven. Yeah. And you and I were like trying to predict how the rest of the playoffs were going to go. And I think we both had like Toronto going to the conference finals. So yeah, I said, to- and I said it would be over early. <laughs> yeah. You said like it would be a, a route for the Leafs over the house yeah. in that game. I watched, yeah. I can't believe you haven't been on since that game. I just watched that game with like such a familiar sense of dread from watching uh, the Sens teams in those those early 2000s. I, like, I saw that exact, like, I saw that happen three or four times to the Sens against the Leafs, and it was just mind-blowing. I hadn't seen it since, but uh, wow. I, I, we don't, we, like, it's been done to death. We, we don't need to talk about it. It's been two weeks ago, but yeah, that was crazy. So yeah, yeah. here we are with Max Pacioretty playing uh, the Habs. His, for, who, his former team, yeah. His former team, yeah. Patch Reddy versus Suzuki. Who won the deal? I, obviously, that's not really going to be answered just with this series uh, because Suzuki might be, might be maturing and helping Montreal with a window later on than right now. But for right now, I would, of course, rather have Patch Reddy, who has been uh, a new player, as we have talked about time and time again on this show in the last two years, he has changed. He has become a better, more dangerous player and one of the most dangerous in the league. And it's so funny because in Vegas, like Mark Stone, I don't think he ever really gets the credit he deserves until all eyes are 
on him in the playoffs. And of course our eyes are always on everyone. So we, we kind of try and unearth these guys, even though they're hiding in plain sight, but Max patch ready is just an offensive lock, even though his production has been very similar to Mark Stone so far, who I just poo pooed at the when he was picked earlier. Uh, but Pacioretty is just a dangerous threat every time he has the puck. And I would be very, very happy to have him on my real life or fantasy playoff team. Yeah, well, don't forget, uh, Pacioretty missed a few games to start the playoffs. So he has eight points in seven games. Yeah, so I guess okay. a bit better uh, points per game than Stone. But yeah, obviously they, they're lying to get like, and I shouldn't only give the credit, by the way, to Stone shutting down McKinnon. It was the Pacioretty, Stone and Chandler Stevenson line that shut down McKinnon and helped Vegas get to this next round. So uh, star player and yeah, some big names being taken, but still a few good names. Names still on the board. Well, I'd hope so. We have like eight rounds to go. So uh, Colton, you're up for a pick three of this round. Yeah. So Elon, I'm glad you didn't blow my cover there with your little um, introduction for Matt Barzell, because that's who I'll be taking next. Um, and I actually had hoped to get both Stone and Barzell with my first couple of picks and I got them both. So if my strategy doesn't work, it's got nothing to do with my competitors. It's just me being incompetent. <laughs> so we're going to see, we're going to see how this goes. Um, I've got a good feeling about these two, but um, anything can happen in the playoffs. But I'm I'm with you, Elon. I think Matt Barzell is the Islanders' most dangerous offensive player. And um, I think Stone's got the potential to do the same thing for Vegas. So with those two, I'm feeling pretty good about the first couple rounds. But like I said, anything can happen. And I know that I'm in third place out of these four people for a reason because they outdrafted me in the previous couple of rounds. So let's just see how it goes but uh, I'll pass the buck over here to, to Jordan for the next pick. I love how it's like we like all as fantasy players, like judge ourselves so much by our picks. It's like if Stone and Barzal don't play well, then it's like Colton's incompetent and an idiot. <laughs> and it's like two star players, right? But I guess that's yeah, how it goes. Completely my fault if they don't play well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't, they don't take any of the blame. It's all, if anything, you jinx them by picking them if it doesn't work out well for you. Yeah, I mean, anyways, yeah, not much to say about Matt Barzal. Like I have like in the past on past shows, Brian like brought up how like is his ceiling capped by the fact that he's on this team he doesn't have like superstar line mates but i guess he's turning it on uh in the playoffs like we've already talked like a lot of islanders are getting a lot of points but barzell has been hot lately uh i, I don't know can't argue with the pick if the islanders score there's a good chance that he'll get down on it but i guess they have three solid lines so there's also a chance that it could be some other player so how about that for analysis that was excellent analysis. <laughs> That's it, I, I had he'll to either a get a point or someone was, else will get a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, no matter where Barzell ranks amongst Islanders scorers, he's still the person that I think is most likely to get in on a goal on any given goal on that roster. So we'll see. I, I mean, now we've got at least a couple players picked from every team, and we have not had a hab picked it i'm just putting it out there i'm not i'm not suggesting that would be the right choice uh let's see jordan you are a habs fan do you feel compelled at this point to add a montreal canadian to your roster you're really pushing me Brian. you're <laughs> <laughs> really oh. making this tough <laughs> i, I but, hope i like i guess talking up patch ready might have set you off too montreal team uh, goalies here we go oh no <laughs> not that risky <laughs> um Actually, just breaking down the stats from round two, uh, William Carlson is out here with six points in his last four games. So that's who I'm going with. Keeping Carlson, our podcast name yeah. for a reason. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's because there's was... like 15 in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was re- it was actually a really <laughs> clever way to hedge our bets that we didn't know at the time. But William Carlson makes a very fine pick for Vegas, 11 points in 13 games. And yes, the Golden Knights team scoring leader so far in these playoffs, which is pretty interesting just because of how uh, unreliable William Carlson was this fantasy season and to some extent the one before it too. When I say fantasy season, I mean regular season. He's a 55, 60 point player, has been for three years now, but it feels like those points come uh, like after a long drought, he spends two games racking them up and then he goes quiet again, or it's just point on, point off, point on, point off uh, for a month. And then he puts out like a four point game and then he goes quiet again. So it's uh, he's, he's not a very fun player to own in the regular fantasy season, especially because his peripherals aren't really there at the same time. But in a playoff pool where he is leading the Vegas Golden Knights in point scoring and is in uh, and is on what has been a super productive line for them, I don't mind this pick at all at this stage of the draft. I still can't get over the fact that like this, like Carlson, Marshall, so Smith line was like the top line on a Stanley cup finals team like four years ago. And then Vegas, like just like acquired a whole other line. That's now, I guess the first line. And now all of a sudden William Carlson's like the second line center. It just goes to show like how good Vegas has done about acquiring all these good players. But yeah, this line has been really strong for a long time. There was a time when Carlson went and played with stone and patch already, but now Chandler Stevenson has taken a hold of that spot. And then Carlson's been playing on the second power play. It looks like Vegas is at least in the last couple of games, you know, going to like the solid 50-50 power play where Carlson's on the one with Smith and Marcia So and Tuck and Petrangelo. And then it's like Pacioretty, Stone, Chandler, just the same as their first line. Uh, also goes on the power play with Martinez and Theodore. So yeah, I don't know. Vegas just rolls out these players. And yeah, I think that there's just as good a chance that Carlson, Marcia So, Riley Smith are all going to get you points. Just a, they're just such a good team. Brian, remember how I was saying that Colorado had no chance and Vegas was totally going to steamroll them? That happened. Yeah, that's exactly what you said going into the series. And that's exactly what everybody was saying after game one, where remember the Robin Lehner start and the Vegas looked awful and they were tired and they continued to get out chance. And finally, uh, the tide turned and it never really turned back towards Colorado, which is just a huge credit to Vegas being a versatile enough team to sort of adapt in series and find a way uh, versatile and talented to yeah. not just adapt to one of the scariest teams in the league, but I think it was, yeah, it was yeah I think, I think Marsha so even said in an interview, like whatever, they were like tired and they just come off that game seven versus uh, Minnesota and like, whatever. Like they also like, you know, as soon as like Mark Stone at that line got on McKinnon, that was it. Right. They, also, like McKinnon couldn't do anything. That's also so ridiculous. And like, yeah, we were, we were tired. So we like spotted them a game at the start of the series and still won in a very handy way against a cup favorite busted a lot of brackets. Uh, and of course, like we can't, we can't talk about that series without mentioning the huge inequity in power play opportunities over the series. We, we were retweeting uh, some analysis and numbers about how after Pete DeBoer complained, Vegas was called for like one penalty that wasn't a delay of game over a really long period of time. Uh, it, it was ugly. And we know the NHL has officiating problems and uh, hopefully they'll get them fixed sometime in the next three or four decades. Uh, I'm not holding my breath, but we just at least have to name that that impact on the series. I'm not saying Colorado was going to win otherwise, but it the, the power play is such a huge weapon for them. And for the refs to essentially neutralize it uh, meant uh, that Vegas had an advantage there. 
I think that the big problem for Colorado besides not getting enough power plays was I think they were like overthinking it too much. And if they would have just thought less, then maybe they'd have a chance. Of, sorry, I'm referencing that dater question. Sorry, the, you have to sound post-game. drunk while you say it to, to really sell it. I saw a great tweet and like not to talk. I saw a tweet that said, because I just, that was my last bit. But do you know in The Simpsons the bit where Homer's writing from Duff Gardens to Marge? Sorry, no. Uh, okay. Anyway, the post- Are you going to say it? Okay. Uh, no, if you don't, if you know it, you know it and compare it to that question. And All right, fair. I'm sorry. All right, sorry, Tyler. So like, like basically poo-pooed your last pick and then we made you wait so long for this because we're treating <laughs> you like garbage. So I'm expecting you to totally rub it in our face right now. Tell us why uh, we're wrong about uh, Brock Nelson, uh, you know, not being the right pick and then go ahead and tell us your next pick. Well, I mean, Brock had uh, two big goals in that game against uh, the Bruins, so right in the hot hand True. and you know they big islanders go win with their depth so any one of their lines can score i'm just betting on his um but for my next pick i'm gonna go uh i had him for the past two uh two rounds but i'm going with uh the vegas uh goalies ah okay so i guess the first team goalies off the board so i guess you're obviously hoping for vegas to finally be the team that could beat the juggernaut Montreal Canadiens, get you your four goalie win points, and then maybe a couple shutouts along the way. Uh, we'll see if that works out for you. I've uh, been wondering if maybe, like I know in the other draft that happened for round two, I think that a goalie, I have I have the data here, like goalies didn't get taken until pretty deep into the draft. The first team goalie taken was Vegas, but it was down in round seven. So it'll be interesting to hear from Ryan, Jordan, and Colton if you could have waited on that pick or if you were smart to take it there but i think they are probably the favorite at least you know in this round the most likely team to advance against montreal though of course everyone's been predicting the montreal to lose over the past couple of rounds and then habs fans love to rub it in about all the people getting that wrong i don't know too many people necessarily predicted the habs would lose against the jets i think maybe they were coming in tired and we'd see how they did but i I also don't think anyone was really predicting a sweep but i don't think it was so shocking that Montreal was able to beat Winnipeg uh, to get to this point of the playoffs. That said, I am pretty interested in the Vegas goalies myself. And usually like in my round, I pick team goalies basically last right at the end with the Pittsburgh team goalies. Cause I didn't think the spread would be that different between all the team goalie options available. But at this point, I, I, yeah, I feel pretty compelled to, uh, to agree with going after the Vegas team goalies, because of course you get one point for the win, you get a bonus point for a shutout. And while every team that remains has proven themselves really capable of playing defense, only three of them uh, have proven themselves also really capable of playing offense. And the lone team out is the Montreal Canadiens who don't rank so well amongst all the teams that made it to the last round in terms of their offensive numbers. So for that reason, uh, I would be going for Vegas to try and get that bonus shutout point. Now at this, I, I'm curious to see when the next team goalies go. Uh, I think there's a, there's a bit of a gap between the Vegas and the rest of them, but I also assume nobody wants to end up with Montreal. So now that Tyler mm-hmm. has gone team goalies Brian we're gonna get like hammered by Habs fans like they do- like to be fair to give Habs credit maybe we'll talk about them more when the Habs yeah. player gets taken like they dominated that series against Winnipeg oh, like, yeah. they totally wiped the floor with them in terms of like shot differential and all that. but okay we'll talk about the Habs a bit later let's wait till one of them gets picked so yeah Ryan you're up ah <laughs> uh, so Tampa Bay goalies are pretty good too I'm a little bit worried about a mini goalie rush 
But instead, I think I'm going to take somebody who I wasn't going to take again. But at this point, I think I'll roll the dice that he'll be healthy enough to return to first round form. And I'm going to take Victor Hedman as my first D. Okay, so after team goalies go off the board, now we have defense going off the board. And for anybody who doesn't remember how the rosters are made on everybody's team, everybody's team needs two defensemen. And with only four teams remaining, uh, that's eight defensemen from the remaining four teams. So I kind of like this move, Ryan, of, uh, of reaching out, even though Hedman has burned you already, um, you know, thinking about, the really reliable scorers on the remaining teams in the playoffs. There's like a a handful of decent guys, but there's nobody I'd feel more comfortable with drafting than Victor Hedman. Also, it's like he does have 11 points in 11 games in these playoffs. So I guess he didn't have like the most prolific series. Like a lot of those points came against Florida. He still did have three points against Carolina in the five games. So that's, uh, I don't know. It's not bad for a defenseman. Obviously, maybe it's not like superstar, like third round, but uh, I think, yeah, I agree. I think it's a smart pick. We'll see which who's the next defense to go. But uh, Hedman has, but you know, he won the Con Smythe last year. I wonder if he's on track. If you had to pick, if Tampa wins the cup right now, would it be Kucherov or would it be Hedman winning the Con Smythe? You're asking me? I don't know. Anyone? I, oh, I think I, I put Vasilevsky's name out there. Oh, right. Vasilevsky also. Yeah, I don't like. Do you think that for uh, like political reasons, the NHL couldn't award it to Kucherov? No, I don't know. I feel like Could if anything, I, thought, <laughs> I mean, I saw something today about how he like was checked out by the league and like his injury, whatever. I was, I don't oh, want to no, talk about that I, anymore. No, yeah. I don't want to get into the whole thing, but just because, like, oh, like they don't want to get into the whole thing. Just, yeah, just because of all the controversy. I mean, I would be in it for the chaos that would definitely ensue and all the like probably brutal the good and bad think pieces that would follow uh-huh. uh, but anyway I'm, I'm just wondering if it's actually a possibility or if it's just off the table because of how uh, how much the nhl probably doesn't want to touch that i, I was wondering if you were going to say like for political reasons or for, for whatever reasons like headman won't win it just because it'll be like my work softball team where they used to like name an mvp after every game and like if you won the mvp in the last game like you had no shot I mean, like <laughs> i could hit like five home runs two games in a row and i have no shot of winning mvp twice so i don't know if the nhl follows that rule as well for the consmite i don't think so okay uh all right so next up is colton for his pick in uh round three round three pick three all right uh i am going to go with um another new york islander um and i'm gonna go with anthony bavillier who i I, you know what i'm i'm hoping he kind of I don't know. He, he's, he's fairly consistent. He, he keeps it going, you know, regular season, you kind of know what you're getting from him, but in the playoffs lately, I was watching the previous series and I liked what I saw there. Um, so he's pretty well on par with Pajot, Bailey. They're all kind of in the same conversation. I just like what I've been seeing from Bavillier and I wanted another Islander because I have a funny feeling about them this round. So I'm going to stick with Bavillier and just see where that takes me. 
Yeah, I guess Beauvillier, he had a super strong first round against Pittsburgh, a little bit quieter versus Boston. Well, actually, he has four points in the six games. I guess over his last three games, he has that one two assist game in game five. And then the other three of the last four games, he's been pointless. Whatever. That's such a small sample size. Beauvillier is so interesting, right? Because he was kind of a non entity in fantasy for most of the fantasy season. And I guess like a Pajot, right? Really waking up in the playoffs. He's been playing on a line with Brock, second round, fifth overall pick. Brock Nelson has been his centerman along with Josh Bailey and Bovillier has been getting the most power play time with Pajot and Barzal and oh my gosh Brian I haven't been following who's on the power play Andy Green has been getting top power play time for some of these playoffs for the Islanders I didn't even yeah I guess I did know that he re-signed again anyway this Islanders team is crazy they've got all these random players like Zajac and Josh Bailey and I don't know it's working (laughs) I mean yeah I don't think a lot of people know that and this might blow up someone's game, uh, but Noah Dobson it actually has been the power play quarterback for the last, sure. th- like for most of the playoffs so far, uh, especially recently. And, uh, you know, he's doing okay with the role. I don't think he, he's blowing anything out of the water. I'm just pulling it. So seven points in 12 games. Okay. So that's, that's better than, okay. Actually yeah. uh, four power play points, which is really the power play quarterback production that we would have loved to see from any New York Islander uh, blue liner for the last several years. The funny part is, is that he's still playing barely 14 minutes a night in these playoffs. So uh, we'll see, we'll see how that (laughs) rates him for this draft's purposes, but going to Beauvillier, uh, he's made a name for himself lately as being a playoffs performer, 14 points in 22 games for the Isles run last year. As you said, Elon 11 points in 12 games so far this year on one of their most productive lines. So uh, yeah, there's a, there's not much to not like about it. Uh, Funny that we've had three aisles picked and the two top Islanders scorers, I guess uh, one is tied with Beauvillier have not been yet. Okay. That's that's Peugeot and Josh Bailey. So we'll see when someone respects the recent playoff results instead of the, uh, the bigger sample, what we think we already know about these players. Yeah, Jordan, are you going to pick either Peugeot or Josh Bailey, or are you going to pick a Montreal Canadian? has to be one of those options. Absolutely no choice. (laughs) One of those two. Uh, First of all, I'd love to see a base or a softball game where you hit five home runs, Elon. I mean... (laughs) It's uh, I, I I used to be pretty good at softball, but it was like you know not the most competitive league, so it wasn't. The, it was like self pitch, so you know you just tell the pitcher exactly where to put it, and then I'm gonna smack that baby out of the park. Yeah, generally I try to sit home and just podcast to avoid injury. I didn't know you played fantasy softball. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> Bet on myself. I'm actually uh, gonna go with Alex Kalorn hitting up the top power play for a little bit with Tampa, and I'm gonna hit up uh, Stamkos Kalorn parent. Yeah, that works out for me. Okay, so at the top, we mentioned, you know, when, when Kucherov and Point and Samkos we were taken, we mentioned that four of the top five remaining scorers in these playoffs were from Tampa. And we know that Point, Kucherov, and Samkos were amongst them. We named the guy from the other team, with his, which is Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And now, finally, Alex Kalorn getting <laughs> the respect that I think he's earned from being such a fantastic producer at the fifth ranked remaining scorer in these NHL playoffs, uh, which is really, really impressive. And we talked about him uh, when we were just starting the playoffs as somebody who uh, seemed to be more valuable than Andre Palat because he held the playoff, uh, the power play 
the top power play unit position that he had when Kucherov returned. And boy, is he still making the most of that on his way to 12 points in 11 games. Uh, so way to go, uh, Alex Kalorn. Like, let's give take a moment to celebrate him, but also a stealthy, good pick, I think, at this point in the draft. Yeah, it's wild. I guess we talked about it on our last show about how you would have thought Andre Palat would be the the you know Tampa Bay player you want after the big three forwards and obviously the number one defenseman. But no, Killorn has taken over on the top power play. He has a power play point in each of his last three games. Like I said, this power play for Tampa has been unstoppable, at least by Carolina. We'll see if the Islanders know how to stop this power play. So yeah, you want everyone on that top power play. And at this point, they've all been taken. So you're done. No more top power play Tampa Bay Lightning players available in this draft. So Tyler, are you going to take a second power play player from Tampa or are you going to go somewhere else? No, oh, I'm going somewhere else uh, and go with uh, Jonathan uh, Marshall. So. Yeah, I mean, Marshall. So I guess we've been talking about how like, again, it's like, you know, you've got that top line on Vegas. And then you have that second line, which is like generally also such an amazing line. And Marshall's had a great playoffs. He's the one, uh, like I said, that called it that they were going to be able to come back and take care of Colorado. Or at least I think that's amazing. I think I heard this on like the PDO cast or something like the guy who Dimitri was interviewing was saying how he talked to Marshall. So and he said he felt like super confident. And yeah, he has seven points in his last six games. Uh, Vegas is rolling. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens are getting no respect by this panel. Not one Montreal Canadiens player picked yet. So why not take a player that's going against this Montreal team that no one likes? You mentioned seven points in six games for Jonathan Marchessault, which is great that he finally came alive in that Colorado series, including being the hat-trick hero in game four. Uh, So he has five goals in his last four games. By the way, that hat trick came on a seven shot game, which actually wasn't that different than what he'd been doing against Minnesota, except against Minnesota, he had one goal and no assists in that seven game series, even though he had 27 shots that he put on goal. So finally, we saw a bit more fortune and luck come Marcheseau's way. Curiously enough, his time on ice in that first series against Minnesota, he saw just over 18 minutes a night in the series against Vegas. He saw like just under 16. So uh, over two minutes less a night of ice time, but he was more successful with it. And I wonder how much that had to do with line matching and having Mark Stone against McKinnon's line, who spent an awful lot of time out there. So I'm curious to see if that was um, just a, a tactical thing based on what Colorado was doing, or if Vegas has found sort of a better way to roll their lines. And hopefully if that's the case, Marsha. So, I mean, he's still throwing pucks on net, not four shots a game as he was the first time in the first series against Minnesota is closer to three shots a game, but that's great. And uh, I think he is uh, like that, that you mentioned the Carlson Smith Marsha. So line is now the second line in Vegas. And that I think gives them a little bit of opportunity to make noise when they're not the ones being keyed on the most. All right, so Ryan, you're up for the second pick in round four. Hey, uh, I'm going to take the same player I took in round four in round two uh, last round, and that is JG Pajot. Ah, uh, there you go. Well, he definitely worked yes. out well for you. Uh, I, had big yes. re- I, I will take the highest scored person on Anders. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Peugeot got you here with his insane run in the last series. Brian, what is it about Peugeot? Is he just because he used to do this for the Senators too? He yeah. used to be like a playoffs hero. Like, how does he do it? 
Yeah, crazy playoffs career. 40 points in a career, 69 playoff games. And that includes his first couple seasons where he didn't have much of a role in Ottawa. So if you take those out and you just look at, I mean, in Ottawa, he had he made himself known for some really timely goals uh, where he had, in a year where he had 10 points in 19 games. But as an Islander, yeah, he has been worth every penny. Again, last season, timely goals and timely moments on his way to 11 points in 22 games. And this time around, instead of like, he's never been more than a half point per game player. He just always seems to be in the right place, doing the right thing in a playoff matchup. And you never, uh, you never seem to catch him in a highlight on the wrong side of things. You know, there are players who you often see like skating away after a goal because they always happen to be around Peugeot rarely, if ever. And now the offense is definitely coming to 13 points in 12 games. Again, usually he's been the goal scorer and this year he's been the goal assister for the most part. Uh, usually like, like I said, 16 goals over his last two playoff appearances so far, just three, but he has 10 assists, which is double as many as he had in his last two playoff appearances combined. So JG Pajot uh, showing some new tricks, some different tricks, in these playoffs, but still being a super reliable producer. And finally we can stop referencing that, <laughs> this top five remaining scorer still being on the board. So now that Peugeot is gone, uh, that brings us to Colton uh, with the next pick in round four. Colton, just remind us who's on your team so far. Uh, so I've got Stone, Barzell, and Beauvillier are my first three picks. All right. And who's going to be your fourth? So the fourth one was going to be Pajot. So great pick. Um, I think I might actually deviate from, from that strategy. Um, I know I, I said, I like, I have a good feeling about the Islanders. Um, they've got kind of a thing going where much like Montreal, they have uh, kind of a three or four line attack where anybody could be dangerous any night. Um, so Pajot, I kind of considered a step above the other guys as far as what I expect for point production. So I'm going to deviate from the rest of the Islanders, and I'm actually going to go with Nick Suzuki for my next pick because I feel <laughs> like as as far as the Habs go, I think he's the guy that I would expect to have the most points next round. So uh, my strategy for trying to get the the guy on each team that I think is going to produce is going to continue, and I will take Suzuki with my fourth-round pick. Yeah, I think that you might as well take a hab at some point. Jordan's face when you made that pick, just utter pain. Is that uh, the guffaw, Elon? Is that why you had your re- the reaction you did? Yeah, I was okay. just watching Jordan react there. Being so, uh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> about laughing at the pick. It's a good okay. pick. He's on fire, right? Like four points in these four games versus Winnipeg, up to eight points in 11 playoff games now. Uh, I think that the Habs are definitely happy with this patches for Suzuki trade. And yeah, like you said, regardless of how this series goes, Suzuki's turning into like a superstar for this team. Montreal, like this is a exciting team, right? They have like also Caulfield, like Toffoli, like all these like kind of new players that weren't big parts. Of the- I guess Suzuki was there last year. You know, they have all these new guys that are making such big impacts, which makes you really excited about this team moving forward. Uh, I would also be excited about Jordan's team moving forward, but he's not going to have Nick Suzuki. I wonder if he's going to make up for it by taking another Montreal Canadiens player. Uh, before he makes that pick, though, let's just take a quick break. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. And we're back. Jordan, here you go. It's the fourth pick of round four. Who are you going to take now that Suzuki's off the board? That one hurt, not going to lie. Um, but I can't not pick a 
Montreal player. I'm just going to whittle a run in for Habs players now. Um, I'm going to go with Toffoli. He's the next best option. And I really can't see how it, taking a guy in a six-game point streak is going to end up horribly for me. And I just jinxed it, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, way to go. Way to jinx your own pick. I, you call Toffoli the next best guy, but I actually think maybe he is the best guy to take from Montreal. I know Suzuki has looked really good and, and had a great series against Winnipeg, but Toffoli, this guy just has not stopped since being traded to Vancouver uh, at the end of the season prior. And sorry, Canucks fans, for the little reminder that he's not still playing for your team, but 10 points in 11 games for Tyler Toffoli so far this season, uh, this postseason, which is really great. Um, you think of... Uh, his postseason experience before this was really limited. I mean, he did have that time with Vancouver, but the only other time he's been able to make an impact was seven years ago as a 21-year-old. He was on that Stanley Cup winning Kings team and was a pretty good contributor there, 14 points in 26 games. So was a relevant player and is now once again showing that uh, he can be a a relevant player on a contending team. So I like the Toffoli pick. It might have been, uh, I mean, no offense to uh, to Colton. might have been the first hab I took, but uh, we'll see if I'm right or wrong about that. Which brings us to the top of round five. So Tyler is the leading scorer of, uh, of all the remaining players in this division from the last round. You get the top pick of each round. So can you recap your four picks so far and then tell us who your fifth is going to be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got uh, Vegas goalies, uh, Jonathan Marcuso, Brock Nelson, and uh, Nikita Kucherov so far. And well, seeing that uh, Colton Jordan just raided my queue with those half players, um, I'm going to go with uh, Andre Pilat. There we go. We're, we're starting to get into the Tampa Bay second power play. And yeah, Palat, even though he doesn't play on the top power play, you can't argue with his line mates playing with Kucherov and uh, Braden Point. So I guess, and that's worked out for him pretty well so far in the playoffs. Like what does Palat have now? I'm just bringing it up here. I'm seeing five points in 11 games. So yeah, we're definitely like at a step down for some of these superstars, but also when you're playing on a line with Kucherov and Point, you always have a chance to get points whenever things happen. And who knows, maybe even at some point Kalorn gets, I guess not. I guess the power play has been working so well. I guess that's probably not going to change. But yeah, solid pick here to start round five. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on Palat before we go to Ryan for the next pick? As we mentioned, it's a shame that he didn't hold on to his top power play billing. But at this point, the top power play is all gone. And of the remaining players, even though uh, Palat is being outscored by Eric Cernak so far, uh, really everybody except one other Tampa player is. I still think that he's a a decent bet to get some secondary scoring, which you're going to need to beat the Islanders. So five points in 11 games. And I think amongst the players who are left, I can't at all fault that pick so uh, honestly i don't think i'm going to fall to any of the remaining picks you guys all seem to know what you're doing so far i think you've all put together some quality drafts and not a lot of head scratchers uh so ryan with that said where are you going with your next pick uh so i'm going to go to somebody who i had in the first round of the playoff pool uh, i thought i got him at a pretty good point but then looking at where he was taken afterwards it looks like i reached a little bit uh, and I think in Discord after the fact, Brian, you said that you would rather have Eberly than this person. Uh-uh. Um, but this person ended up working out. Uh, and Brian that loves is Eberly. Josh Bailey. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, that was so, not a stretch, though, to say I would rather have Eberly than Josh Bailey. And Elon, you, yeah. you, t- you say Brian, Brian loves Eberly. You were the Eberly lover this season. I was very quiet about him because I, I didn't have to say anything. You finally recognized how, uh, how much of a legit contributor he can be if you set your expectations right. I mean, I got him out of free agency in the couple tier one. So I was excited to get like, you know, a very much above replacement player out of free agency. Then I asked you, I recall very well on the podcast being like, Brian, am I a brilliant genius for having uh, gotten Everly out of free agency? And you definitely, you know, said that I was a brilliant genius. And then he actually went cold right after that. And I felt really annoyed about it, but he, he ended strong. And now in these playoffs, he's got eight points in 12 games. Right, wait, where am I talking about Everly? I should be talking about Josh Bailey anyways, because he's the one who just got sick. So Bailey, 11 points in 12 games. He obviously had two uh, multi-point games to end that series against Boston. We'll see if he can keep it up. He's playing with round two, Brooke Nelson. So you can't complain <laughs> with uh, Josh Bailey here. Uh, a, a wild Josh Bailey stat from this it. year. Uh, so far in these playoffs, he has five goals in 11 games. This year in the regular season, he had eight goals in 54 games. He's never been a goal scorer, but apparently he's found a magical goal scoring touch. He's even shooting, uh, uh, taking a couple shots a game, which is something that he hasn't even been re- reliable for. So it's, it's an interesting turn of events for somebody who uh, whose career high has been 18 goals to have picked up five goals in, a, in 12 uh, NHL playoff games. He yeah, was a I'll, bubble stud too, though. So yeah, another one of these good. The Islanders are a whole different team in the playoffs. That's why I'm wearing this hat Built for the playoffs. Trotz knows how to get the most out of his boys. But okay, so Colton, you're up with uh, pick three in round five. Brian's like shaking his head at me. I apologize. It was such a cool thing you said just now. I'm excited. I'm having a good time here. <laughs> I love it. Hanging out with my boys. Wow. I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Next pick. <laughs> All right. So uh, it was just mentioned that I rated the the queue or the draft board. And now mine just got rated because I was also going to take Josh Bailey. So um, you know what? Just like last round um, where I was going to go with an Islander, but then it got sniped. I'm actually going to completely deviate once again. I'm going to take Alex Petrangelo. I'm going to take my first defenseman here from Vegas and we'll see where that takes me. But, um, you know, I, I had him pretty high up on my defensive draft board. And now that I've, I've already got a couple Islanders, I've got Mark stone, um, you know, Suzuki gives me a little bit of diversification, but I think Petrangelo will help fill in the the gaps um, of my vacant Josh Bailey pick that got sniped on me. But um, I'm happy to have a defenseman in here that I, I'm pretty sure I can count on to chip in at least a few points here this next round. We're going to have a D run at some point, and I don't think you were unwise to get in now on picking the second of eight defensemen who are going to need to be drafted over the course of tonight. And Petrangelo is a fantastic way to go. Eight points in 13 games so far, which puts him uh, fifth in scoring. Actually, he's tied for second in scoring uh, in Vegas and only three points behind William Carlson equal to Marcia so and stone. And of course, Pacioretty who's played fewer games. But one thing that really stands out for Petrangelo, these playoffs is he leads Vegas in shots on goal, 46 shots on goal in 13 games. That means he's approaching four shots per game. So uh, this is a guy who's been, uh, who's won the cup with St. Louis and has been such a steady hand and came to Vegas as a big free agency acquisition. 
and sort of just blended in with the rest of the incredible players on the team. He doesn't seem to stand out in Vegas quite the same way it felt like he stood out in St. Louis just because of the talent that's around him, but it doesn't mean his contributions in Vegas have been any less. So Alex Petrangelo, a fantastic pick. One thing I have noticed, and for this pool, it's great. For any pool that values goal scoring, it's not. But he seems to be throwing a lot, like just throwing, bombing away from the point in Vegas's games and deflections seem to be going really well from pucks that originate from Petrangelo's stick. So if you're looking for goals, you might be out of luck, but in this pool, goals and assists are each worth the same amount. So I would love to have somebody who's just firing away and hoping that a puck bounces off a knee or a butt or a stick and gets past a goalie. Yeah, it's pretty wild that uh, Petrangelo's had such a great playoffs and he's being picked ahead of another defenseman that I, I'd imagine we'll be talking about pretty soon. Like in the regular season, Petrangelo was pretty regular, right? Just around a half point per game. But I guess he stepped it up a bit in the playoffs. Uh, Jordan's asking me to uh, be quiet, but it's your pick, Brian, uh, Jordan, so you can't get sniped. So I think if there's someone you want, you should probably take him. <laughs> I just got sniped. So sorry, Tyler, you're going to have to hop on the snipe train. But I'm going to take the next best defenseman out of Warden Theodore. Yeah, so Theodore is the one I was about to mention. So Theodore had this like, huge season, right? 42 points in 53 games. But I guess people's uh, memories are short. And he's only got six points so far in the playoffs. People are like, let me take Petrangelo. And I guess at this point, Vegas is happy, right? They just have two superstar defensemen. And uh, obviously, you can't argue with Shea Theodore. I'd imagine in the first round of the KKPP, everyone was taking Theodore super high. And now he falls a little bit in the other round three draft. Also, uh, Petrangelo got taken first. And Theodore got taken like two picks later in that one. And one pick later in this one. So Brian... We're having that D run here. Now there's three D off the board. There it is. Or yeah, three total, two in a row, both from Vegas. And for anyone who's asking, by the way, who hasn't noticed, uh, it's been Shea Theodore and Alec Martinez sharing time with uh, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, and Chandler Stevenson as the sort of top unit, but it's pretty balanced the way that Vegas is uh, deploying their power play units. And I mentioned how Petrangelo is the top shooter in Vegas. Uh, Theodore is third. So he's bombing away too. So we can clearly see this is a strategy that Vegas is using. And honestly, as I've talked about before, this seems like a really smart way to handle the playoffs where uh, the deeper you go into the playoffs, the more goals seem to just be products of random skips and bounces and hops. So you might as well give, uh, give your team as many chances as possible to grab those. And one way to do that is to shoot from the point. So yes, uh, I like that Theodore pick. I like the Petrangelo pick. Will the D run continue at the start of round six, Tyler? Uh, no, because they just took my two to oh, Okay. <laughs> I want it. So, uh, I'm trying to get ahead of the snipe train here. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a Vegas teammate in Chandler uh, Stevenson. Elon's new favorite Vegas Golden Knight, Chandler Stevenson. Who, uh, Elon, maybe I'll let you speak to it, but I know you weren't sold on him going into the year thinking that even playing between Stone and Pacioretty, you're afraid that maybe he'd still be a sub 50 point player, but going into next year, you're sold, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should have a short memory here. All of a sudden, Stevenson is uh, pointless in his last six games. Didn't get a point against Colorado. I guess he was too busy helping Stone shut down McKinnon. So maybe now I don't like him anymore. But no, I mean, he's in he's in a good spot. He's playing with two great players. His role isn't like to be the scorer, though he was getting in on so many points in the regular season playing with those guys. And at this point, yeah, how can you not take a guy playing on the top line on this Vegas team that's favored to beat the Habs? We'll see if it happens. We'll see if Carey Price has something to say about that. 
But yeah, I like the Stevenson pick here. And yeah, definitely going to drafts next year. It's going to be really interesting to see how you rank guys. Like I assume like, you know, for fantasy, you'll start with like your stone patch already, probably Marcia. So next up on Vegas for forwards, do you go with like a William Carlson or do you go with the Chandler Stevenson? I feel like it's going to be close and probably they're going to have similar ADPs. For sure. Yeah, no one really stands out necessarily behind like not you used to even say marcia so behind stone and patch ready stood out but this year that wasn't even the case so we'll see it's a it's a pretty steep drop from the first to the second tier which seems pretty even in terms of vegas players but at this point in our keeping carlson playoff pool draft chandler stevenson despite just five points in 13 games seems like a a reasonable choice to try and get some points for you tyler which brings us to ryan's pick Love hearing that sound. In yeah, that's like uh, noise. That's what I want to hear after my pick. So Tyler must be feeling good right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I already have a defenseman too, so I'm debating: do I get another defenseman uh, and just lock that down? While you're thinking here, I'll recap your team. I'll give you a, a sure. quick second to stall here. So you've got in the first round Braden Point, then Pacioretty, then you got Hedman, and then your last couple of picks have been Islanders in Peugeot in Bailey. Now you're coming up with your uh, sixth pick here. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do. I'm going to do. I'm going to go to goalies, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Brian's been talking about how Vasilevsky is the best in the world. So why not go and get in on him? If this was a regular season pool, Vasilevsky would be the first goalie off the board by a mile. So I, I don't think it's a terrible pick. Like the Islanders are wild. And like Brian said, they've even been scoring some goals. But if you want a team goalie, I guess you go with the other favored team. And that means that Jordan Colton are going to be stuck with the, the underdogs. Not that that's been a problem, you know, for those teams in these playoffs so far. Uh, so there it is. Two team goalies off the board, three defense off the board. Brian, what are your thoughts? The Islanders goalies have been incredible. I, this is not news, but if you just look at what they've done in numbers, Sorokin, 934, Varlamov, 925. So the team has a 929 seed percentage and 10 of 12. Brian, while you're saying all this, Tampa Bay is, is the one that just got taken. So you're just oh. like selling Islanders to the next pick? <laughs> oh, I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oops. I don't know why I went there. I guess maybe the Russian goalie connection. Okay. So should I finish my thought? I'll finish my thought about the Islanders and then sure. I'll move on to the actually relevant Tampa goalies. Uh, the Islanders uh, have had 12 games. They've had quality starts from their goalies in 10 of those games, which puts you in a pretty good position to win. That's like an 85% quality start, which Uh, In the regular season, you hope to get 60-65% quality starts from your goalies. So the Islanders goalies are doing a great job of giving their team a chance to win game in, game out. And Vasilevsky is doing the same in Tampa, although uh, just seven quality starts out of 11 opportunities. So not quite the same percentage. That's like a good regular season. That's a good, it's still a very strong percentage, but it's not otherworldly like the Islanders. But you could make the argument that Vasilevsky and the other Tampa goalies, should they play, have more run support available. And of course, we mentioned that Vasilevsky's 934 save percentage is right up there with Ilya Sorokin's, and it's happened in more games. So, uh, you know, Tampa is still as a cup favorite. Seems like a, a pretty good route to go. Yeah, but Colton, after this sales pitch that Brian just gave for the Islanders <laughs> goalies, are you going to bite? Well, funny you should mention that because I actually had other ideas for this round. I wasn't going to take team goalies. Um no disrespect to the Habs, but 
I think they're bigger underdogs against Vegas uh, than the Islanders are against the Lightning. So I want to make sure that I don't end up with what I consider to be the biggest underdogs. And I'm actually going to take uh, the team goalies for the Islanders in the next round. So that will be my pick right now as I put that through. There we go. Islanders goalies. Locked in. So Jordan, would you have taken the Islanders goalies if they were still around in a later round? Or were you always thinking that you were going to get the halves? I just think the halves are the underdog again. Everyone's bad against them. I just can't bet against them. I just, (laughs) I figure they go last. So I'm not going to waste the pick on them. (laughs) They're left now. So I'm just going to continue on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're so that's, you're... that's an ideal move, man. Like if, if, if you thought they were going to end up at you anyway, why not just wait? Um, I just figured from my perspective, I wasn't sure. I... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like you're, you're laughing. You've, you've got the guys you want and you're going to get your team. For me, I was like, I don't know. It's like, is the Habs fan going to, going to take his team or is he going to, you know, maybe play the odds and go with someone else. But I respect the diehard move. <laughs> yeah. So you got your 10th round pick locked in Jordan. So you only have to make, Six, seven, eight. You got four picks to go. What are you going to do with round six? I don't know. Like I said, I'm banking on the Habs winning a couple. So I'll take the two points and smile happy to the end of the round when I win everything. (laughs) But um, I'm going to go ahead and take Kyle Palmieri. That uh, trade deadline acquisition who, you know, didn't do too much in the regular season. I felt like I remember like every single episode of short shifts and keeping Carlson were like talking about Palmieri for some reason. I guess it was like the most exciting name to move before Taylor Hall got moved also. But like lately, Palmieri has been great in the playoffs. I guess it's another one of these things where I guess like a Petrangelo and a couple other players we've talked about, right? Some players are just like finding a new gear in the playoffs and like the Islanders don't care that Palmieri took some time to adjust or whatever, get some points the regular season because he's got points now in five straight games. He had six points in six games versus the Bruins. So if he keeps this up, that's an awesome pick right at the end of the sixth round. So we'll see if Palmieri can do it against Andre Vasilevsky. He's also playing, oddly enough, middle six minutes. Like markedly middle six minutes, you look at the the leaders in ice time for the Islanders. You got Peugeot at 18 minutes, Bailey, Beauvillier, and Nelson all around 18 and a half minutes. Barzal, uh, 17, 45 a night. Uh, Everly, 16 and a half. And then you get to Kyle Palmieri, who's only playing 15 and a half minutes a night, managing just two shots on goal per night, but he scored on seven of those. So that, so he scored on 30% of his shots, which is great. And honestly, he's not the only... Isle doing that. Three of their top five scorers have a shooting percentage uh, between 20 and 30%. This is just how it's working. I could rhyme off so many of the top uh, shot getters from the other that are remaining in the playoffs. And it take me a long time to mention more than one Islanders name through 12 games, only Beauvillier and, uh, and let's see, oh, Barzal and Eberle have more than 30 shots, which is just two and like, not even two and a half shots per game. So that's not even a great mark. Uh, all this to say, Palmieri is in Long Island and he's somebody who we know is capable of scoring. It's been interesting to see him try and yeah, find exactly what his role has been with this Islanders team. And I'm curious to know what this really does for his stock next year. But for now, uh, he's not a bad pick at all as a, a secondary scorer type. Although the Isles are just made up of secondary scoring. So there you go. 
All yeah. right. So, yeah. I mean, like in the end, like a five game point streak is a five game point streak. You probably want yeah. to jump, jump on that. And yeah, he'll be a UFA. So he's playing for a contract. He's probably earned himself some money with this run against the Bruins. So good for him. A couple extra mil a year for Kyle Palmieri, probably just because of that. All right, Tyler, we're starting round seven. So we got four picks to go for everyone. Tyler's team is Kucherov, Nelson, Vegas goalies, Marcia So, Palat, and Chandler Stevenson. So you're still, uh, no, you're D-less right now. So of your next uh, four picks, two of them need to be D. Is one of them going to come right now? No, but uh, you guys forgot the biggest uh, factor in Palmarism. He grows his beard back, so he can uh-huh. find score. That's how you, that's what um, you need to do. That's why Brian's wearing a beard now for this podcast. And you too. Oh, it's beards versus non-beards here in the draft. Interesting. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to say much of a beard. More like watching Sidney Crosby's. <laughs> uh, but for my pick, uh, I'm going to go for the, the former Buffalo Sabre uh, Joel Armia. Okay. Armia, like, it's pretty wild that he's getting taken. Like, it's not wild because he's been having a really good playoffs, but it's like he's not someone that I would have expected you know, if you told me at the start of the playoffs that he'd be someone taken in a playoff pool. But yeah, he had that huge game in the 5-1 game, two goals and one assist. Uh, I don't have any Armia numbers. Right? Let me just bring up what his uh, line has been, because I don't know. I, I'm sure Jordan knows I, right off the top of his head. I have Brian that knows. info, Elon. He's Go playing on, on that all he's sort of... All my he's playing on that. Nelson, Nelson, yeah. uh, no, I... <laughs> Yeah, Armia is playing with Corey Perry and Eric Stahl, which would be a great line to play on in 2008. And uh, Joel Armia is making it work for him all the way in 2021. I don't know if I went too far back by saying 2008. Uh, But Armia, yeah, tied for third in scoring on the Habs. In fact, his whole line uh, uh, takes up the third, fourth, and fifth highest scoring positions amongst Montreal Canadiens. And that means, yeah, they're ahead of Gallagher. They're ahead of Caulfield. They're ahead of Jeff Petrie. Uh, so it's a it, it's a fun pick to think that maybe Joel Armia, who's really never done much of anything. I remember at the start of was it this season or last season he went on a little run, and everyone was oh you know new 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 great candidate for bangers. Uh, he throws hits. He's been scoring goals, and then it died out completely. So in the regular season, he's like a 35-point player maybe who bangs, and in the playoffs, apparently he has a little more to offer, which is, uh, like, he's never really had a lot of playoff experience. We don't know if he's one of those guys yet, but so far, he's uh, he's doing very well playing with Stahl and Perry. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're potentially going to lose a listener and Tyler here because I've been uh, hard on his picks. But uh, I do have a player on the house, maybe in a couple that I'd prefer. So we'll see when they get picked. And we'll, but anyways, Tyler might get the last laugh if he wins this round. And we're talking about talking to him for the final heads up matchup. All right, Ryan, who do you got for the second pick of round seven? Uh, I'm going back to defense. I'm sticking with the Islanders and I'm going to try to ride the hot hand of Noah Dobson. Okay, yeah, so I blew up the the Noah Dobson name earlier, but he's doing uh, he's doing pretty well in his role of power play quarterback. Two more points than the next highest scoring D, which is actually all three. There are three other D with five points in 12 games in Long Island. So you've got Dobson with seven points in 12, and then Pulak, Mayfield, and Letty all together at five points a game, but only one of them has been recently quarterbacking in the top power play. And that is Noah Dobson, who I like, I would love to see him continue to do well. Uh, so he can kind of establish himself as being the power play quarterback going into next year and maybe actually being good at it. Wouldn't that be nice, Elon, if we knew that going into next year's draft? 
The thing is, like, he's playing like 11 minutes a game in these last couple of yeah. games. Like, Trotz doesn't like him aside from on the power play. So it's like a bit of a risky pick because it's almost like this ice time makes me think he could get benched at some point. But as long as he's there, yeah, like you said, Brian, he got two power play points uh, against the Bruins in game five. And then, you know, he got an assist in game six of even strength somehow in his 11, I don't know, it was like 10 minutes of even strength time. So he's figuring out a way to get points even with his limited ice time. So I guess you got to go with him here if you want to get a defenseman on the Islanders. Okay, so now we're over to Colton. That was a solid Dobson pick, another guy on my queue. However, now that I'm hearing you guys talk about the 11-minute thing, I'm maybe um, you know, somewhat relieved that I didn't take him, but I think it's a great pick. He's going to get lots of points. Um, I'm actually going to, once again, deviate. I, I, I keep saying this. I wanted to get Islanders players, and every time I have one queued up, then they get taken, and I end up going with a completely different team. Um, so I'm actually going to take Riley Smith from the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I think that he's got some top six minutes and gets power play time and his points to date may not necessarily reflect what he's going to do going forward. And I'm hoping that that, um, you know, shows itself in this round before I get eliminated from this pool. Uh, and if it does, then maybe I'll be so fortunate to get to the final too, but we'll see how it goes. His points to date, you just said, there's a quote, his points to date hopefully don't reflect what he's capable of going forward. And that's how I spent this entire season with Riley Smith. It was an exercise in frustration having him in his play and his play hasn't picked up in the postseason, although his shooting percentage is quite low. He is at least putting a couple shots on net per game. And he is the third piece of that Carlson and Marcia. So line that is the going to be uh, the line that's not seeing the top shut down from Montreal. So uh, I, I think it's a decent shot to take. For sure. Elon, you were also on the Riley Smith train at some points during the season. What's your faith level in him at this point? Well, first of all, credit where credit's due. He's got four points in his last five games. He's been good lately. So I don't know what you guys are talking about, about how he hasn't been. Seven like, points in 13 for the playoffs. Okay, but I'm just saying lately. Yeah, if we were doing a regular. For sure. Yeah, if we were doing a regular episode of Keegan Carlson, we'd be yeah. like, Riley Smith is on the upswing. Uh, I don't know. He's been like a solid 50 to 55 point guy for the past few years. This year, he uh, obviously had this like big down year, but he's in the same spot. He gets like the same power play time, even strength time. So I just feel like, yeah, he's a little bit less reliable, but definitely upside to give you potentially like another like four points in six games or something. I think that's totally reasonable. I like that pick here. Uh, now that takes us through the top six and the top two D on Vegas. I guess we haven't been keeping track of which team has the most players taken. I guess it's between Vegas and Tampa. A lot of Islanders have gone to still not too many halves. So we'll see if our resident halves fan Jordan is going to try to even that matchup a little bit. I don't think I am <laughs> as much as I'd like to. I think I do need to lock down some defensemen as I only got one. Um, I'm on my team currently. I have Carlson, Kalorn, Palmieri, Stamkos, Foley but only the single defenseman in Theodore. So I'm going to lock down um, Ryan Pollock and finish off my D-Rom. There you go. Brian, if you if you had the choice between Pulak and Dobson, who would you have taken? I know Dobson has more points overall. Pulak gets a lot more ice time, though. Sure, yeah. I was going to say it's probably about the same because you've got Dobson on for that ice time where the likelihood of scoring is higher, but the rest of the time... Uh, it's Pulak getting a lot of ice time. So I think that probably all washes out and I consider them roughly even assuming that nothing swings in terms of their deployment. So Pulak, yeah, I'd be about as happy with him as I would Dobson. Okay, so uh, Jordan, don't forget to actually put that pick in over on Fantrax. And then we're going to start round eight here with Tyler. And Jordan, you got to stop sniping me. <laughs> I'm going to have the first pick. You're ruining my cue. Um, 
So I wasn't actually take my first defenseman, but uh, I'll just uh, fill out my uh, my skater category and take Anthony Sorelli from Tampa. Elon, you mentioned that the top six in Vegas had been taken. And I was like, ah, you know, I wonder uh, how much of the top six in Tampa has been taken. And like, we've heard Kalorn and Palat, but there's so much equal depth in Tampa that we, we haven't heard, you know, no one's racing for those guys. But at this point, it sure seems like Anthony Sorelli is a, is a nice guy to be able to grab as somebody who has as good a chance as anybody amongst Tampa's depth to put up points. So far, Sorelli is really the top depth scorer in Tampa. Assume, if you're not counting Kaloran, since he's really, he's tied with Braden Point and one point behind Stamkos in scoring. But Sorelli has six points in 11 games so far. So he's about 17 minutes a night. Uh, and uh, there's really nothing to not specifically like about him. And he's playing with Kaloran and Stamkos. So you would think that those points are accessible to him uh, when even strength points come in Tampa, who has been relying very heavily on their power play. Yeah, I think, you know, fantasy hockey is obviously a very complicated game, but sometimes it's easy and like a big, I'm a big proponent of take a player that's playing with a really good player. Like if you're playing on a line with Stamkos, there's a good chance you're going to get some points. So as a late pick, Tyler, I promise I'm not just sucking up because I poo-pooed some earlier picks. I like the Sorelli pick. Good job. All right, Ryan, you're up. I'm going to stick with the Islanders and I'm going to take Jordan Everly. There he is. Brian's probably thinking like Everly should have gone a long time. Finally, <laughs> somebody takes Everly eight points in 12 games, just one less than Matt Barzell. I'm just kidding. I think this is probably around the right moment to take Jordan Everly, who we've really already analyzed. So Elon, assuming you also don't have much more to say about him, we can go to Colson's pick. Yeah, I was just going to say that Brian's still mad at Peter Shirelli for trading Everly back in the day. He thinks that was the biggest mistake he made. You know, as much as I might dislike Chiarelli for not believing in Jordan Everly and, you know, the, the Oilers playoffs exit brought some of that talk back about that being sort of a symptom of the bigger problem. I think there are uh, things Chiarelli has done that are a lot more unforgivable than trading away Jordan Everly. This is one piece of a very, very big and ugly puzzle. Okay, but now that we've covered that, Colton, <laughs> it really is your pick. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, save some time here on the podcast time limit. And I'm going to take Cole Caulfield from the Habs. Um, you know, not necessarily the highest producing player so far, but um, there was a few moments there in the past few games where their young guys were really popping off and he was cashing in on those. And I think they might start to lean on them going forward a little bit more now that um, they've, you know, they've got to the final four uh, and some of those young guys have been the reason they got there. In my opinion, I think they might start to lean on them more, give him some power play time, give him a little bit more of those big moments. And I think uh, he has the capability of cashing in on some of those points. He's got three points in his last four games in that series against Winnipeg. I don't know whether, like, how much do I penalize Ducharme? Like, on one hand, it's like Dominic Ducharme took over as the Habs coach, and now all of a sudden they're in the, you know, semifinals of the NHL. On the other hand, he benched Cole Caulfield to start the playoffs. Well, does this guy even really know what he's doing? Uh, so anyway, here we are. Caulfield is a good pick here. He's on a nice hot run. He's uh, one of those really strong players on the team. There's like still, okay, I'll wait for him to get picked. There's still like another house player. It's pretty wild that he hasn't been taking it, I guess for, for good reason. But uh, uh, I don't know. I guess where are we going to Jordan or Brian? Do you have any uh, hot uh, Cole Caulfield takes? 
I guess the my only take is that we want Cole Caulfield to be a big scorer, and he has yet to score a goal these playoffs. In fact, he's the only forward on Montreal outside of Tomas Tatar, who's only played five games, that has yet to find the back of the net. So we'll see if he can remedy that in this next series against Vegas. This isn't to, I, I have no doubts about his abilities. In fact, all, all he's shown in these playoffs is really great signs that he's going to be uh, potentially a fantasy impact player next season. So uh, I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's just, it's, it's an interesting way to see him evolve as being okay. Cole Caulfield's and he's going to start throwing goals, uh, throwing goals up on the board and uh, no goals and four assists so far. And I am with you, Elon. I am waiting to see when another Montreal Canadiens forward is going to be taken. Uh, so let's, uh, let's move it over to Jordan uh, with the final pick of this round. I debated Caulfield. But I'm pretty sure there was kids at my son's birthday party today bigger than him. So that was a little bit weary for me. Size Um, doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, But dabbling between two Habs players, um, I think we all kind of know who those two are. But I think I'm going to just bite the bullet and finish up the Legends line, or the second part of the Legends line in Corey Perry. Oh my god! <laughs> this is wild. So we now have uh, we had Suzuki go from Montreal and then to Foley, and then Armia, Armia uh, and then um, Caulfield, and then Corey Perry. Yeah, I just no can't G believe yet. nobody's taken Josh Anderson yet. I'm shocked. No. Anderson I did last round, and it bit me. So I'm a little bit soured on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was a joke. I like I was I, I'm not gonna mention it. I feel like everyone should know the guy, so I'm not I'm not even gonna mention it. And that that's my analysis for this peak. I mean, Corey Perry has shown like he's been great, uh, really putting himself out there as somebody who can still contribute in a very precise and specific role. Um, it's funny because you know he's not really known for his defensive prowess, and yet he's playing on a team that is shut down or nothing. Uh, but Corey Perry really making use of that net front position on the power play. I say really making use, even though he has just six points in 11 games, but he seems to be someone who's uh, really great at picking up those garbage goals. So, uh, so Corey Perry is off the board as I guess the fifth Canadians forward. Elon. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess he's probably leading the playoffs in points per like contract dollars. Like it's obviously a really nice deal for the Habs to get this player who's getting picked in a playoff pool for the league minimum. It's pretty funny. This is the second playoffs in a row where the final four teams are Islanders, Tampa, Vegas, and Corey Perry's team. Last year it was Dallas. This year it's the Habs. So I think Perry's like earning himself a contract just for the good juju he brings. <laughs> Yeah, he'll be the the player acquired just for the playoffs. Also, I need to check something I said already about Caulfield being the only hab without a goal, uh, aside from Tomas Tatar. Phil Deneau also has not scored yet, just just for completion's sake. All right. Okay, so now we are over to Tyler. We're in round eight. No, round nine. It's two picks to go, uh, and they both have to be D for Tyler. So let's see who he's going to take. Yeah, uh Wait until the last minute on these ones, but uh, for my first defenseman, I'll pick uh, Nick Letty. Okay, so we've got three Islanders D now off the board, and not a single Habs D. So I don't know what that says about the Habs or the Islanders. I guess <laughs> I guess that it says what we need to say. But yeah, Letty's got um, what is it? Five points so far in these playoffs. Not too shabby. Uh, 
I don't yeah. yeah. He's in there with Mayfield and Pulak. I think it says that these Isles D, just pick one and you might get lucky. And I guess what I'm saying about the Montreal D is that people don't think Montreal is going to score or that even the top scoring Montreal D isn't going to be so awesome. Uh, Ryan, are you, I, I actually, I don't have your team in front of me. Are you boxed in with these last couple of picks on what position you can take? Uh, forward and a skater. So okay. technically no, but practically yes. Um, I like that Corey Perry pick. I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will go then in his absence with another Montreal player who has scored a goal and take Brendan Gallagher. Okay. There it is. I was just like waiting. Like that was a big wind up. I was ready for a huge reaction. And then you did like, I like you definitely could have been going Eric Stahl with the way you were talking. So are you saying that had Perry been available, you would have taken him before Gallagher? Uh, not before Gallagher, but Perry was my last pick in the last round. And okay. that worked out well. Cause he just seems like he's comes up for the playoffs and he annoys everybody. And then he scores trashy goals that make you hate him. So right. It's awesome. Right. Which is not a bad way to describe Brendan Gallagher, too, sometimes, especially if you play against him. To be fair, I mean, Elon, I believe you're as shocked as I am that he went this deep on Montreal as someone who's been one of the more reliable scorers on that team this year and in past years. But just four points in 11 games so far these playoffs. And his ice time and deployment is really indistinguishable from anybody not named to Foley, Suzuki, or Deneau. Like those three play primo top line minutes and everybody else plays third line minutes at best in Montreal. And that includes Brendan Gallagher and his scoring has been third line too. So I guess you could say he does belong to the pack he's been selected amongst, but I still think that I would have preferred him as my third Montreal forward. I mean, the thing is he like came off of injury, right. For the playoffs, like he missed the end of the season. And then he obviously had a slow start. He didn't really get any points until the last game against the Leafs when he scored a goal, but he does have four points in his last five games. So I'm just going to decide the narrative for me is Gallagher was getting eased back into things. And then versus the jets, he like, you know, started to be more, take the role that he's used to taking. And that was three points in the four games. Gallagher, you know, everyone's talking about Tampa and how they got this injection of Kucherov, uh, you know, for the playoffs, which helped them a lot. Like, the Canadians got this injection of Gallagher and Caulfield onto the team to start the playoffs. And that's probably a big reason why they did so much better in the playoffs. And they were doing like leading into the playoffs when they were sans Gallagher and of course Caulfield, but Gallagher is like a really key player on this team. I'm still trying to decide if I should keep him in my uh, dynasty league next year before his new contract kicks in, <laughs> but uh, okay. So let's go now to Colton for his second last pick. I see here, Colton, that you need a D and a skater. So which position are you going to fill right now? Yeah, I do need a D and a skater. And I'm actually looking at a couple of different options here. And I think I'm going to end up going with, uh, I'm glad Brian didn't blow me up earlier with a Josh Josh Anderson uh, name drop. Um, He was the first on my queue for a while. And I kept choosing somebody else before him because I kept seeing, oh, you know what? I should probably take that guy instead. Um, but I'm actually going to take Josh Anderson now. And I think he has the capability of cashing in on quite a few more points than he's had so far. Um, you know, he really hasn't done a whole lot in these playoffs, but he's getting those minutes that he needs to perform. And I've already got some other Montreal players here. So why not put all my eggs in this basket and hope they can score some goals against the Knights? Um, I kind of see that series actually going pretty deep, like six or seven games. So I'm trying to stack up on both Knights and Canadians in that game or in that series. And I'm hoping it pays off for me. So um, the eggs are in the basket. Now it's just a matter of, do they pay off for me or not? 
<laughs> yeah, the thing with Anderson is, yeah, he only has one point in the playoffs so far. He's playing on a line with Kakniemi and Paul Byron. I really don't know how we're going to project this guy for next season, Brian. Like, he came out so hot as a new member of the Habs to start the year. Then he's been super cold, like, to end the season. And now in these playoffs, hopefully for you, Colton, he gives you a little bit of juice in this third round of the playoffs. But, yeah, I'm really curious to see what we should be expecting from this guy for the rest of his big contract with the Habs. Yeah, he had a really great like 10 games to start the season uh, and then did very little since then, including very little in the playoffs. So I am sort of just going back to him being um, maybe a 45 point bangers type player who can also throw some shots on net, but I am um, with you in this pick and thinking that there's could be more underneath that we haven't seen yet. Like Josh Anderson does seem like somebody who should be thriving in the playoffs. And while we haven't seen anything yet, I guess I, I'm just keep, I'm trying to keep a very open mind about what he might still be able to offer. Yeah. I'm looking forward to my beat writer interview. We'll have to get Arpon Basu again. And I would love to get his thoughts on Josh Anderson and his season and how it like started strong. And then he kind of disappeared, but still we got the playoffs to get through before Arpon's going to want to talk to us about a season retrospective. Hopefully that won't come still for a little bit of while for Habs fans, such as Jordan, who it is your pick, uh, your second last of the draft. It sure is my pick. And the last one, technically, because I am defaulted Montreal as a team stat. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I figure, why not go with Alex talk on the third line just to really mess with my next pick? <laughs> I have no issue with Alex Tuck on the third line, who has been putting up uh, above third line production. In fact, he's the uh, he's up there uh, in the top six in scoring in Vegas with seven points in 13 games this postseason. Again, minutes aren't great, and he's playing on a line with Nicholas Roy and Matthias Janmark, which is like a fine third line. He's been doing a good job. Uh, but, of course, there's that ceiling that he keeps bumping up against, which is the fact that he's not in the top six in Vegas, but he's had some really respectable production from outside the top six, both in the regular season and postseason, And seems to me at this point, unless anything in the depth chart changes uh, like a good stream going forward and someone who can catch heat, uh, but uh, nice depth scorer. So I, he's someone I still think is really talented and just hasn't been able to get the deployment in a consistent way to really show it off when he did have the deployment, he went crazy with it. And I think he could do that. It's just kind of a rough luck for him that he's stuck behind a really solid top six. Yeah. Rough luck for him, but uh, good luck for Vegas who has that really deep team. All right. So Tyler, it's your pick. You need to pick a D Colton also needs a D. So I wonder if there's a player on Colton's mind that he's hoping you're not going to take. I guess we'll find out when we get to his pick who, who you got for us. Uh, well, yeah, for the last pick, I'm going to do uh, Alec Martinez. I love Martinez. Honestly, like, he's such a good player, and he always, like, overperforms based on when he gets drafted in, like, every draft I ever do. So uh, I was just talking with Prashant about the Detroit Red Wings, and we were suggest- – we Prashant and I, by the way, decided – I don't know if you guys heard – that the Red Wings are going to be signing Alec Martinez as a UFA this summer to be a left-shot defenseman that the, the Wings need. So uh, he's great, and he's helping Vegas once again go far. I like this pick, which means it's going to be up to uh, Colton to decide if any Habs D are going to get taken or if they're just going to be totally whiffed on for the whole entire draft. So, Tyler, that finishes off your team – You've got, all right, I'm just going to read it off here. 
Kucherov. I'll just go with forwards D then uh, goalie. So Kucherov, Nelson, Marcheseau, Palat, Chandler, Stevenson, Yoel, Armia, Anthony Sorelli. Then for your D, you've got Nick Letty and Alec Martinez. Then the Vegas team goalies. How are you feeling about your team? Uh, I'm pretty confident, you know, but uh, there's a reason why the four of us are here. So, you know, still a little nervous to see how this uh, next round goes. <laughs> I'm a little nervous that if you win, you're going to be able to really rub it in, Brian, in my face, especially mine for <laughs> poo-pooing a couple of these picks. So uh, good luck to you. <laughs> so now we're over to uh, Ryan to finish off his team. You've got a skater position available. Do you got anyone in mind? Yes, I'm going to take the guy who will pass the puck to Corey Perry when he scores all his goals uh, and draft Eric Stoll. You want, you want the guy with exposure to Corey Perry. It's as simple really as that. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Stoll, uh, yeah, really interesting quirk for Eric Stoll. You know, we mentioned he's playing with Armia and Perry, both of whom are in the like 14, 14 and a half minute range. Eric Stoll is seeing the least ice time of any Montreal Canadian, just 11 and a half minutes a night. And I mentioned how everybody sees third line minutes. He's the exception. He sees fourth line minutes, Eric Stahl, uh, but it hasn't stopped him from putting up seven points in 10 games as a 36-year-old playing with a 35-year-old Corey Perry and a 27-year-old just dude, Yoel Armia. So uh, fun final pick to take. I guess you're the only one taking a forward in this last round. So there it is. Eric saw the last forward drafted in this draft. Yeah. So maybe Brian, while uh, Colton finishes off our draft, because we know Jordan's taking the Habs team's goalie. Maybe you could take a quick look and see if there's any forward that you think has been overlooked that Eric, like, and, you know, maybe listening to this podcast, being like, you really Eric Stahl ahead of me. What? <laughs> so the, honestly, I, I think the only I have two names that would come to mind. The first would be Matthias Janmark, who's got seven points in 10 games. And I think is probably as good a bet as Alex Tuck to get points, but we saw where Alex Tuck went. So maybe uh, that's a reason to not be so into Matthias Janmark, uh, who, by the way, seven points in 10 games compared to Tuck and Riley Smith, who have seven points in 13 games. So, uh, so that would be one name. And the other name I'd look at is really actually any name on Tampa, Blake Coleman, Barkley, Gaudreau, Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord, uh, even, did I say Ross Colton already? Ross Colton. I would take like any of these guys. I'd take a flyer on. I don't know if I'd take, I think I would take a flyer on them ahead of Eric Stahl, but I don't think there's really much to much to pick between them. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're kind of hitting the dregs here, but I know generally in playoff pools, the strategy is just take a bunch of Tampa players and that's worked out for people over the past couple seasons. But uh, we will see if these uh, depth halves the Perry Stahl Armia line earned their their pick in this draft. But okay, over to Colton. Speaking of the halves, you have the last pick of the draft, and it's a D, and no halves D have been taken. So are you going to go to Montreal? Or I'm looking at the uh, top scoring D available in the playoffs right now. And if you don't go to the halves, I guess you'd go with like Eric Cernak from Tampa or Nick Holden from Vegas or Scott Mayfield or Ryan McDonough. So uh, some exciting names out there for you, or you could have anyone on the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I have been looking through all those for the last several minutes here. Um, <laughs> and I actually will be going with the Habs, but it's not going to be with maybe the one everybody would have thought. Uh, I'm actually going to take Jeff Petrie, who's currently injured, but I'm looking at the news reports and he's expected back at some point in the series, just not for game one, perhaps. Um, but I think he's got 
he, he's the best bet for racking up the points when he does come back. Um, so I'm going to put my eggs. I did not really plan to go this way whatsoever, to be honest. Um, and in fact, the fact that I need to cheer for the Habs whatsoever is a little bit, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I can really wrap my head around that. So I might just have to not watch because uh, cheering for the Habs is a little bit excruciating, but at least they're Canada's team, right, guys? So I've got four Habs. We're going to see what happens here. Uh, go Habs go, I guess. And hopefully, actually go Vegas go too, because I just want that series to go deep. Most of my team contains both of those two. So we'll just see what happens. And I hope they all get lots of points. Elon, did you take in the sights of the of the CN Tower lit up in beautiful blue, blanc, rouge? I mean, that would mean I have to leave my house. So obviously, no, I didn't. But I saw it on Twitter. So that counts, right? Well, I saw it on Twitter too, but I don't live in Toronto. Okay. Wow, so you, so Colton, you took an injured Jeff Petrie over Shea Weber, which I guess is reasonable based on the amount of points Weber has overall, though Weber does have three points in his last four games. We did have three assists in that series versus Winnipeg. If it was me, I'm a wimpy guy. I would have just taken the healthy player in Shea Weber, Elon. or maybe even in Eric Gustafsson. That's oh, just yeah. Me. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask it like... Eric Gustafson is the power play quarterback, but he's even more like you were concerned about Noah Dobson's low ice time. Eric Gustafson is an extreme version of someone who's really only getting, remember that game? uh, Was it in the first round, I guess against Toronto when Gustafson was not even getting played. And I I think it was like the second overtime and he'd played like four minutes. (laughs) It was like a crazy low total uh, for a game that went so long. And that's, uh, it just seems like the Habs don't want to use Gustafsson except to quarterback their power play. He's played uh, six and a half minutes twice. He's played under 10 minutes, uh, around 10 minutes the other three times. The only two games where he's clearly been above 10 minutes, uh, he saw a combined uh, eight minutes of power play time. And that's the only reason he saw more than 10 minutes. So Eric Gustafsson, three points in, I think it's 10 playoff games or Seven playoff games for him. Uh, I don't know, Elon, between Gustafs and Petrie and Weber, who I'd want. I'd, I'd want a healthy Petrie. That injury stunk. That was, a, that was hard to watch. I just felt bad for the guy. Yeah, well, in the end, I mean, again, I'm wimpy. I think that when Petrie comes back, if slash when, I could see Gustafsson getting benched potentially. So I would take Weber because I want the guy who I know is going to play every game. But uh, obviously Petrie has that big offensive upside that we saw at the start of this past season. Okay, so I didn't actually read through the the teams here. So for Ryan, with that pick of Eric Stahl to end his draft, he ends up with Braden Point, Max Pacioretty, Peugeot, Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberle, Brendan Gallagher, Eric Stahl, and then on D, Hedman and Dobson, and then the Tampa Bay goalies, so a strong-looking team. And then Colton with his Jeff Petrie pick. He rounds out a team of Mark Stone, Matt Barzal, Anthony Beauvillier, Nick Suzuki, Riley Smith, Cole Caulfield, uh, Josh Anderson, and then Petrangelo and Petrie, the two Ps on D, and the Islanders goalies. And then we all know where, Jordan, where you're going for your last pick, but I'll let you announce it since I'm sure you're excited too. (laughs) Well, I guess I got to go with Alex Tuck's brother's team because he was drafted last year. Uh, <laughs> but as much as the Tampa defense does kind of look barren, I kind of defaulted to pick Montreal team. That was my plan from the start, so it's all good. Uh, okay. I like we're going to play together. So you got your first choice team goalie with Montreal. <laughs> uh, to be fair, Carey Price's numbers are identical to Andre Vasilevsky's these playoffs. Uh, same win-loss total, 
uh, one save percentage point higher. So 935 compared to 934 and same quality start percentage. So Carey Price playing like the best goalie in the world, which he once was. I'm not sure he still is, but he's had a really, really nice performance after a lot of inconsistency. So it's been great to see. And boy, is he going to need to be uh, incredibly, incredibly on top of his game to get Montreal through this series. Okay, and that uh, concludes our draft. So did I read? Oh, so Jordan's team to finish this off. Stamkos, William Carlson, Alex Killorn, Tyler Toffoli, Kyle Palmieri, Corey Perry, uh, Alex Tuck. Then his D is Theodore and Ryan Pulak. And then the Montreal team goalies. This is going to be so fun. If anyone wants to follow along after listening to the show, keepingcarlson.com slash KKPP. That's where you'll be able to keep up. We'll link to it in the show notes if you want to keep up with the standings as this round goes. So good luck to Tyler, Ryan, Jordan, and Colton, as well as the other four people who earned their way into round three. And they did a slow draft in another Jordan, uh, who's in tier one of a couple with me, and Nick and Ollie and Nathan. So the eight of you are all battling for that NHL jersey from coolhockey.com. And obviously the, the pride of being the second annual KKPP champion after I, I won the inaugural version. So, okay. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the show. We hope you've been, again, like we said at the start, enjoying our Beat Writers series. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode with this really fun round three draft. We'll be back at you with some more Beat Writer interviews, maybe even a heads-up draft for the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, where Brian and I could once again talk about all of our correct predictions about this round. Uh, but yeah, also, by the way, we have our Keeping Carlson patron perks uh, firing away with our promotion over the summer of just a buck a month American 150 Canadian gets you everything we have to offer. We're having a lot of fun in the Discord right now. We've started up our patron rankings where every day we vote on the next player to be ranked. And in the end, we're going to have a full ranking of players for next season. It looks like Kucherov's about to go fifth overall if things go as expected. If you want to see how that's been going and participate, sign up. Like I said, just a buck, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Uh, but with that, Brian, I'm ready to cue the outro music and you could go ahead and read us the credits. We'll get out of here. All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. I leaned heavily on natural stat trick, frozen tools, and hockey reference for researching this episode, mostly on the fly. And of course, thanks again to all our drafters for being here. Oh, and we use Fantrack, so I'll shout them out for uh, every round of the KKPP. Yeah, thanks again to Fantrax for being one of the easiest places to run your playoff pools, especially a complicated one like this one. And yeah, thanks to Tyler, Ryan, Colton, and Jordan. Good luck to you all. I'll be excited to watch this and see how it plays out. And thanks again to, for everyone for listening. And uh, Brian, I guess, what should people do until they wait for our next episode? Well, first off, uh, if you need a new jersey, head on over to CoolHockey.com, who's helping sponsor this tournament, uh, CoolHockey.com. And then after you do that, uh, the only thing you need to do is do everything you can to let everybody know that fantasy hockey is for everyone.